Come on. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step by step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach Personal Finance. This is George Grombacher and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful David McKnight. David, are you ready to do this? Let's do it, man. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Let's do this. David is the author of The Power of Zero. He is an advisor and he is the president of The Power of Zero Marketing Program. I'm excited to have you on. David, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work and why you do what you do. Well, I, uh, I do quite a few different things. I'm, uh, I've write, written uh, four or five books uh, on the sort of the power of zero approach to retirement. Um, I still have clients. I do about 90 speaking engagements a year. And uh, I've got a program that uh, comprises about 250 advisors who uh, sort of espouse the power of zero worldview um, and take it directly to their clients. So um, I've been at this since 1997. I've helped put uh, thousands of people on the road to the 0% tax bracket, and it's been, uh, it's been a great ride. Nice. I appreciate that. So tell us what the power of zero is. Well, the basic premise of the power of zero is that uh, due to the fiscal irresponsibility of our country, we believe that even 10 years from now, tax rates will have to be dramatically higher than they are today just to keep our country solvent. A uh, combination of unfunded obligations for Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, as well as um, skyrocketing national debt will put the government in a position where they have to dramatic, dramatically raise taxes to keep us out of the poorhouse. And uh, that has massive implications for a retiring generation of baby boomers who have the lion's share of their assets sitting in uh, tax deferred vehicles like 401ks or IRAs. They got the deduction on the front end. They're going to pay the tax on the back end. Uh, but they're probably going to be paying the tax on a large share of those dollars at a period in time when tax rates are likely to be much higher than they are today. So the main premise of my book, The Power of Zero, is that if you can situate your retirement assets such that in retirement you can be in the 0% tax bracket, then you have effectively insulated yourself from the impact of higher taxes. I, I tell people, hey, if you're in the 0% tax bracket and tax rates double, two times zero is still zero. So um, that is the main thrust of what I, what I talk about. Yes, <clears throat> two times zero is still zero. I appreciate that. And so that essentially should tax rates go up people who are, are making pre-tax contributions, they're sort of doing the opposite of, 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 of what the traditional thinking is. Is that right? Yeah. So conventional wisdom is that you are going to be in a much lower tax bracket in retirement than you ever during were during those uh, your working years. And I think that that made a lot of sense back in the 70s when, you know, highest marginal tax rate was 70 percent um, or even during the 90s when the highest marginal tax bracket was 39.6. But we're now moving into a future where, hey, we're currently in the middle of what I call in chapter six of my book, the tax sale of a lifetime. Uh, tax rates are never going to be as low as they are right now. 
um, you are still working. So you likely have quite a few deductions. You have uh, the interest on your mortgage. You've got your, if you have, you still have kids at home. Um, maybe you're contributing to your 401k or what have you. Uh, maybe you have some charitable contributions. So what we found is that when you retire, a lot of those deductions disappear uh, and you're stuck with what we call the standard deduction. So um, even though you think you're going to be spending less, in some cases, you could be in a higher tax bracket. We know that these current tax rates expire January 20, uh, sorry, January 1st, 2026. Uh, and they're going to return to exactly what they were in 2017. And that doesn't worry me so much as uh, as what all of the financial experts are going to are predicting to be the fiscal condition of our country in, in 2030. So uh, I'm not so much concerned with what happens to tax rates in 2026. That's what happens in 2028, 2030 and beyond that really gives me pause because we're moving into a future where um, the, the debt that we're taking on in a country is absolutely unsustainable. And we are going to get mathematically to a point where we can either default on that debt, which would precipitate a global wide depression, skyrocket interest rates, crash the stock market or raise taxes on, uh, you know, the twenty three trillion dollars that we have in uh, the cumulative IRAs and 401ks of our country. So um, it's uh, going to be a tough road to hoe. But I think that there's strategies that people can put in place between now and then they can effectively insulate themselves uh, from all of those, um, you know, all of those financial repercussions. Got it. Do you think that most people are, 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 are aware of that or is 2030 just too far down the road? You know, I think that, um, when, when I do my workshops all across the country and like, you know, I do about 90 of them a year and I ask rooms full of people, um, how many of you guys think that tax rates in the future are likely to be dramatically higher than they are today? And every hand in the room goes up and they can even tell me exactly why uh, they think the tax rates are going to go up. And then I said, how many of you guys have the lion's share of your assets and tax deferred vehicles like 401ks and IRAs? And every single hand in the room goes up. So clearly there's this disconnect between what people think and what they're actually doing. And so I think my job is to try to to, 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 to create some sort of nexus between what people think and what they're actually doing to follow through on what their, um, what their gut impressions are telling them about the future fiscal condition of our country and, and to, uh, you know, basically uh, to prepare their retirement portfolio against that eventuality. So it's so interesting, right? People know that yes, tax rates are probably going to be going up and they know that all the money that I've been saving, which is great, is going to be subject to higher taxes than 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 I was deferring in. Yet that momentum or that inertia, they just can't be broken out of it. But I imagine that probably after the time that you've spent with them, maybe maybe that helps to change their behavior. So, would love to talk about this strategy to help insulate people from whatever tax rates might be. Yeah, and just to, just to add on that, I think that um, the federal government is is like a. Well, let's say we're we're a microcosm of the federal government. Give me an idea of what I'm talking about. So yesterday, my my two boys um, cooked a chocolate cake, and um, much to my delight, at about 3 p.m., my 10 year old comes in with a piece of the chocolate cake, and he says, <laughs> he says, Dave, the, or he didn't say Dave, he said, Dad, here's a piece of chocolate cake, and I said, Wow, what a surprise! And I proceeded to eat it. <laughs> well, guess what? There was still some cake left over uh, after dinner. So when dessert came around, they started handing out chocolate pieces of chocolate cake again. So had I been prudent, had I been thinking about 
the long term and, and, and the condition of my health and what was good for me <laughs> over the long term, I would have refused that second piece of cake. Well, that's exactly not what I did. I ate the second piece of cake. Why? Because I, you know, I, I, I wanted to have the thing that gave me the most gratification in the short term. Mm. And I forewent what was uh, best for me and my health over the long term. And that's, I think, exactly what politicians do. I think that's exactly what's happening with the federal government, uh, particularly in light, you know, right or wrong. Uh, particularly in light of, of the CARES Act, where we spent 2.2 trillion with the and reserve the right to spend another four trillion, and there's more uh, stimulus package packaging uh, on the way. So um, we do a lot of things as a as a country, as a government, that helps us scratch that itch in the short term, but has a lot of adverse uh, repercussions over time, and that's why we're seeing the the national debt skyrocket. And um, you know, it's. You know, and we tend to act the same way as consumers. So I think it's a problem that pervades every single part of government and society. And but I think there's things we can do to forestall some of these eventualities. Yeah, I appreciate that very much. Chocolate cake, or I think that we're all familiar with the uh, with with the marshmallow test, or, or what? <laughs> oh yeah, the, Stan- the Stanford marshmallow test. Absolutely, yes. ability to to defer delayed gratification. So. I got it. I probably would have eaten the cake too, David. So I'm sure you're not beating <laughs> yeah. yourself up too bad. Yeah, yeah. both slices. So, <laughs> so if 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 you would, let's 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 get into what people can be doing to position themselves. Yeah. So, um, in, in my book, The Power of Zero, I talk about one of. Uh, I say, look, I've obviously my favorite tax bracket is the zero percent tax bracket. And by the way, that tax bracket doesn't exist. If you look at the IRS tax tables, there isn't a zero anywhere on there. Hmm. But it's actually is possible to to not pay tax in retirement. You just have to position the right amount of money in, in each of your respective uh, investment accounts. But I talk about in my book um, how my very favorite tax bracket is the zero percent tax bracket, even though it doesn't exist. But my second favorite tax bracket is the 24% tax bracket. And the reason that is, is because most people are in the 22% tax bracket. So it doesn't give them too much heartburn if uh, in shifting money from their tax deferred investments to their tax-free accounts through you know, Roth conversions or, or some other strategies that I talk about in the book, um, it doesn't give them a lot of heartburn to push themselves up to the top of the 22% tax bracket. And we call it bracket bumping. If you're in the 22% tax bracket, not a big deal to go up to the top of the 22% tax bracket. But what people don't realize is that the 24% tax bracket is only 2% worse, right? right? If I were trying to persuade you to go from the 12% tax bracket to the 22% tax bracket, I'm basically saying, hey, look, let's try to avoid an eventual doubling of taxes by doubling your taxes in the short term. Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And people uh, typically reject that approach. However, if you're in the 22% tax bracket and I say, hey, look, in carrying out your asset shifting strategy, your 0% retirement strategy, we bump you up from a 22% tax bracket to a 24% tax bracket. Well, guess what? That extra 2% of tax gives you roughly an extra $150,000 of shifting space. In other words, before you bump up into the 32% tax bracket, you can shift an additional one hundred and fifty thousand dollars from tax deferred to tax free. It only costs you two percent more uh, than the twenty two percent tax bracket. We know in twenty twenty six that twenty two becomes twenty five, the twenty four becomes twenty eight. So th- these really have historic proportions. So we say, hey, look, there's six years between now and twenty twenty six. Let's spread that tax obligation out over 
the full six years. So in other words, let's pay as little tax as we possibly can along the way, but let but let's get all the heavy lifting done before tax rates go up for good. Let's go. Let's get all the heavy lifting done before that tax freight train that's bearing down on your retirement account actually actually hits you. And so we talk about there being a right amount of money to shift each and every year that doesn't push you up into a tax bracket that gives you heartburn, but allows you to complete all of that asset shifting uh, before January 1st, 2026. I call that my magic number um, that I talk about in my book. It's the perfect amount of money to be shifting each and every year. And and really the heavy horse, the heavy horse, the, the horse that does all the heavy lifting, um, the workhorse, as it were, is the uh, really the Roth conversion. Um, it allows you to get all that money shifted to tax-free. Uh, there's a lot of positive repercussions that we can talk about, namely that uh, you've insulated yourself from the impact of higher taxes. And um, when you take money out of Roth IRAs, it doesn't count as provisional income and does not cause your Social Security to be taxed. So all sorts of positive things stem from being uh, being in the 0% tax bracket. Got it. Yeah, I certainly appreciate that. All right. So people have this this six-year period to be shifting money where it's not extremely painful is it is it the complexity of it that that is just not knowing how how hard is it to 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 actually do this uh it's not hard you don't have to you know if you were if you were putting money into let's say you had money in an apple stock it was a plain old you know in in your taxable bucket where every year you got to pay tax on uh, on the dividends um if you wanted to put that into a traditional roth ira you would have to liquidate that and then take that cash and contribute it to your Roth IRA in the tax-free bucket. If you have money in a Roth IRA, sorry, in a, uh, a regular IRA, conversely, and you want to convert that to a Roth IRA, so this is not a contribution to a Roth IRA, it's a conversion hmm. to a Roth IRA, you can actually shift those dollars to tax-free and you can do it in kind, meaning you don't have to liquidate uh, the, the stocks or the bonds, you can just take those reposition them to tax-free, do the transfer, and then pay the tax either out of the shift, okay, out of the conversion itself. If you're over age 59 and a half, you can do that without penalty. Or if you're younger than 59 and a half, you would have to pay that tax from some other investment, preferably in your taxable bucket uh, out of cash or securities that you have in that bucket. So it's a relatively easy thing to do um, in terms of you don't have to liquidate assets. You just have to be prepared to pay the tax. And really, you're you're in a better position if you can pay those taxes not out of the Roth conversion itself, but from some other source. Yeah, let's use a real simple example. Let's say I owned a hundred dollars of XYZ stock that was in my traditional IRA. Yep. And so I don't. So I open up a Roth IRA and I just move XYZ stock, the hundred dollars worth, to the new Roth. And then, what is my tax bill that year? Well, so you'd have to figure out what uh, line 11B on your tax return says. So that tells you what that's on the front page of your tax return. It tells you what your taxable income is. And when you figure out your taxable income, you figure out what tax, what your highest marginal tax bracket is. And then anytime you do a Roth conversion, uh, those converted dollars are going to uh, flow into your tax cylinder and land right on top of all those other uh, all your other taxable income. So um, let's say you're currently in the 22% tax bracket okay. um, and you do a Roth conversion and that $100 keeps you in the Roth, in the, in the 22% tax bracket. So you would owe uh, $22 of that 100 for federal tax, 
throw in another 5% effective tax or so for state tax. So now we're looking at $27 uh, of additional taxation. You got two choices of how you can pay that. You can have them uh, simply withhold it. You can check a box right on the conversion form where they withhold that money. Um, so it goes right to the IRS. Or if you don't want to pay it out of the conversion itself, which is what I recommend, then you can um, tell them to not withhold any money, but then you would have to make that tax payment uh, really immediately because the, the government, if you don't, if you if you create that taxable event and don't pay the tax immediately, they're going to charge you penalties and interest over the course of the balance of the year. So uh, two ways to pay the tax. Got it. And why why do you recommend that that, that people pay it from from their taxable bucket versus doing a withholding? So the, your taxable bucket is 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 a bucket that is the least efficient of your bucket. So if you think about all of the investments in the world. Um, there's millions of different types of investments, but they all basically fit into three types of accounts, the taxable, tax-deferred, and tax-free. Taxable is gonna be the types of, um, I mean, you know that you have a taxable investment if every year at the end of the year you get a 1099 from the IRS, mm -hmm. uh, or sorry, from the, for your financial institution. That's not good because that affects the efficiency and the rate at which your money grows. So if you are um, have a you know a disproportionately large amount of money in your taxable bucket, it's not growing very efficiently. It doesn't seem like a big deal, but when you amortize those inefficiencies out over a lifetime, it can cost you a couple hundred thousand dollars. Um, the tax-free bucket, uh, on the other hand, doesn't have any. You don't get any 1099s at the end of the year. If tax rates go up, you don't pay any additional taxation. Uh, once it's in the tax-free bucket, it's free. So. If you are, let's say you have that $100 in your tax deferred bucket and you want to shift it to tax free by way of a Roth conversion, why not get, put yourself in a position where you could get all 100 of those dollars shifted from tax deferred to tax free, use money from your least efficient bucket, which is your tax, your taxable bucket. So you're spending down your taxable bucket in an effort to get as many of those $100 uh, over into the tax-free bucket because the tax-free bucket is our most valuable bucket. So uh, in the act of uh, paying taxes on our Roth conversion out of our taxable bucket, we are reducing our least efficient bucket and we're maximizing our most efficient bucket. Got it. Nice. So I think that, that makes a ton of sense. So I'm, I'm, so what, what I really probably need to do is put together a strategy for transitioning money over this six-year period like we're talking about from my traditional IRA to a Roth IRA so I don't need to do it all at once is that correct right. I could take portions right. of it yep stretch that tax liability out over as many years as possible preferably over the six years because remember if you're in the 22 that becomes a 25 if you're in a 24 that becomes a 28 it just makes mathematical sense to try to get it done uh, before January 1st 2026 love it well, David, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Well, I would just uh, say, hey, look, let's study the tax brackets. Let's study the fiscal condition of our country. Let's not make uh, decisions on where we invest our money in a reflexive sort of a way. In other words, hey, it's always been done this way. Therefore, we should always do it in the future this way. Um, just be a little bit more cognizant about um, the fiscal condition of our country, where tax rates are likely to be 10 years ago, and then make your investment decisions accordingly. Well, I think that is great stuff. That definitely gets, come on. Come on. David, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Where can they get a copy of the book? 
Uh, best place to get a copy of the book is on um, Amazon. You can get it uh, there. If you want to buy them in bulk, you can go to Power Zero. Uh, dot com forward slash books and if they want to learn more about me they can go to davidmcknight.com perfect well savage nation if you enjoyed this as much as i did show david your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas pick up a copy of the power of zero at amazon and go to davidmcknight.com check out all the great resources he has there thank you again david thanks for having me george and until next time keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together